Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zivi. I'm the host, Zivi Owens. I am an author. My latest is blank, pub date March 1st, a novel. I'm also a podcaster, obviously, a publisher, a bookstore owner, and so much more. If you love books, you're in the right place. In fact, we call it the Zivyverse, or really, the LA Times called it the Zivyverse, and we're going with it. Go to ZivyOwens.com to learn more, and follow me on Instagram at ZivyOwens. The following was a conversation held at Zivy's Bookshop, my independent bookstore in Santa Monica, California, and it was really fabulous, and I think you all should hear it. It was between Hazel Hayes and Aparna Nancherla. Hazel Hayes is an Irish-born, London-based author and director who for many years wrote primarily for the screen. Having graduated from Dublin City University with a degree in journalism, she went on to study creative writing at the Irish Writers' Center before honing her craft as a screenwriter through numerous short films and sketches. Her eight-part horror, Prank Me, won Series of the Year at SITC, as well as the Award for Excellence in Storytelling at Buffer Festival in Toronto. Out of Love was her first novel, and Better by Far is coming out soon. Aparna Nancherla is a comedian and general silly billy. Her sense of humor is dry, existential, and absurd, with notes of uncalled-for whimsy. Think a wine you didn't order. Her book, Unreliable Narrator, Me, Myself, and Imposter Syndrome, is currently available. She was also on my podcast for this book, but it was really cool to hear her talk to Hazel. You can hear Aparna as the voice of Moon on Fox's The Great North, or have heard her as the voice of Hollyhock on BoJack Horseman. 
You can currently watch Aparna in The Drop on Hulu or as Dr. Pocha on Lopez vs. Lopez. You may have watched Aparna as Grace, the belabored HR rep on the critically acclaimed Comedy Central show Corporate. She also has a half-hour special on the second season of The Stand-Ups on Netflix, as well as appearances on Late Night with Stephen Colbert on CBS and Two Dope Queens on HBO. Other acting credits include A Simple Favor, Modern Love, Bob's Burgers, Crashing, Master of None, and Inside Amy Schumer. She's written for Totally Biased with W. Camus Bell and Late Night with Seth Meyers, as well as Mythic Quest on Apple+. Plus. Aparna was named one of the 50 funniest people right now by Rolling Stone, and in 2019, she was in a Super Bowl commercial with Michael Bublé for sparkling wine, nay, seltzer. In 2016, she released her debut album, Just Putting It Out There, on Tig Notaro's label, Benson Ball Records, and recorded a half-hour special for Comedy Central. She was also chosen as one of Variety's top 10 comics to watch that year. Aparna currently lives in Los Angeles, if you can even imagine. All righty. Gorgeous. Well, yeah. Thank you again for coming. Genuinely appreciate it. Uh, my name is Hazel Hayes. This is Aparna Nancherla. And uh, yeah, we're just going to have a little chat. A little chat. A little chat about our work, about writing, about feelings, maybe. I feel like sure. feelings are going to come up probably because we do. Yeah, relevant feelings. And um, read a couple little excerpts and take some questions. And I believe there's people watching at home as well. So hello. Hello. Yeah, let's just, we'll just dive on in. Yeah. We don't know each other very We've We met one time. We met one time. And this is actually our first actual probably conversation. Yeah, which, <laughs> which feels is, very natural. It, it's nice to, it's nice. Sometimes I've done these kinds of things with people I know very well already. And it's yes. almost harder because you're right. asking questions you already know the answer to. Right, 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 right. But I, in this case, I really, I really don't know. And we have not finished each other's books. Oh, <laughs> no. Not fully finished because we're very busy women. Uh, yeah, but I thought we should just name, name it <laughs> instead name of it. letting people no, guess. No, for sure. I call, We did speak briefly. I called you the day to be like, I have not finished your book. Yeah. And she and was I like, said, I have not I finished, have not your, finished book. your book. But that's good. But so I was going listening to it on the ride over here. You were listening yeah. to me reading it? Because you read it and I it's do. so good it really puts you oh, in it thank you yeah. I feel like I'm way more Irish when I'm reading as well that, I mean I'm not so gonna lie it's a different, I, it's a different I love accent. an accent who doesn't who doesn't love an accent so yes your book which by the way it's one of those titles that like I'm annoyed I didn't come up with this oh. by myself <laughs> unreliable narrator and it's about imposter syndrome and I'm like that's so clever I wish I had thought of this but diving straight in the way that you the way that you talk about imposter syndrome is so real. It's I, I found myself reading it being like, do I have this? <laughs> I feel like if I did, I'd be like, oh, hard relate. But instead, I feel like someone slightly on the outside understanding it more from your Oh, do you feel like it's something you don't deal with? Not don't at all, mm. but definitely not to the levels that you're describing in yeah. the book. I think I've I think I've definitely had that feeling of like. I'm having it right now, honestly. <laughs> um, you know, you're sort of sitting in a room full of people looking and you're like, why are you looking at me? Like, what did I do? Yeah, I've had that thing of getting the job or getting published or yeah. getting the thing and sort of being worried it's not good enough still. Yes. I actually, no, this is, the, maybe I do have it now that I'm saying it. <laughs> I had a thing where my my publisher, so the Out of Love came out in the UK with a, a crowdfunding publisher called Unbound oh, because no one would have me. So I crowdfunded it and then it did well. And then Penguin Random House picked it up in the US. And I remember when I got really good feedback from them, from my editor there, especially Cassidy Sachs, great name. And she was saying all these wonderful things. <laughs> and then 
I convinced myself that they probably say really nice things about shit books too. <laughs> Basically anything they're championing, yeah. they have to be positive. Yeah, so about. what yeah. I did was try to convince myself that my publisher is an idiot <laughs> so that I could believe that I'm not good enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Instead of just like... Yeah, it's very Groucho <laughs> Marx, you know? Like it, I yeah. would not want to be a member of any club. That would have me that as a member. That would have me as a member. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I feel that way too where like I sold, I, I was lucky enough to sell the book just based off of like a rough outline and mm. the idea. And it's like, why not write write a book about self-doubt? You know, I'm yeah. like so good at it. I've been <laughs> dealing, experiencing it my whole life. And then, you know, it turns out self-doubt is not a very great collaborator because when I was writing the book I was like oh it seems like you really don't want me to finish <laughs> and, and I think that's kind of fair though like I honestly feel like it would have been more like I would have had more integrity to write a book about imposter syndrome and then mm. it just like it's like half of it is blank you know <laughs> yeah there's like, so many jokes you could have yes, made <laughs> yes yeah and it's already a pretty funny book I was laughing out oh, loud reading you. it and I could kind of hear it in your voice too but yeah did you have to resist the urge to like not go for the bit all the time. I, mean, I think I addressed that right away. But then I was like, I can't keep talking about that. Like if someone actually mm -hmm. is like taking the time to read this, like I should <laughs> offer something besides the joke about yeah. how I do not feel capable of writing it. Yeah. How do you feel now that it's done and published and it is a thing in the world? Do you feel any differently? I don't know. As someone who has never, it's like my first book and I've, you know, I've had other things come out in terms of like, I, I do stand up and I've had, you know, TV sets come out or, or, you know, acting roles. And it feels something about a book is so personal that it mm. feels like once it's out there, it does feel a little bit like, like you like ripped your heart out of your body and you're like, what do you guys think? You know, like, <laughs> I have no idea what that's, no, I don't know what you mean. It's a completely like it's foreign a, feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And you know, so, so I Any think, notes on yeah. my heart, on yeah. my soul. So I think I've had to like detach a little yeah. from the feedback because I think you know your relationship to something you write is always going to be different than someone who reads it. Absolutely, it absolutely. Yeah. On the flip side of me thinking my editor was an idiot for liking the book, I will then do things like when I get a shit review, I go and look at books that I know are objectively good <laughs> and look at their, like I went, oh, for sure. I looked up like Joan Didion on Goodreads yes. and saw some people saying horrible things about her books. I was like, you're just wrong. I know. Which means they might be wrong about me. I know. I know. <laughs> you're like, if Margaret Atwood got a three, like I'm not doing yeah. so bad. Yeah. I got a one star review from a lady who did not like my use of the C word. Okay. But that's, I mean, that's has nothing to do with skill. Level. Ironically, she is. Uh, she is one. But there we have so. it. <laughs> That's wait, wait, I have a question, though. Do you read your bad reviews, or is it just if you have Yeah, happened? I love them. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, wow. I get great mileage out of my bad reviews. Like, you, you like to use them to turn them into something? No, or just, just, just laugh at them. I just, like, oh. I don't know. I just, I've posted them, too. Okay, Like, because okay. there's a lot of, like, five-star review, four-star review, aren't yeah. I great? And then every once in a while I want to throw in, like, here's a one-star. This bitch was bored. <laughs> one, of them, one of them was just two stars, bored. <laughs> All caps, exclamation mark. And I'm like, because you have to, you know, you take the good with the bad. No, and, that's and, good. And, and I'm not for everyone. And, like, I always say, you know, like, I, I don't really like chocolate ice cream. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's bad, right? <laughs> Audible gasps. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't, I don't, I would prefer strawberry. But yeah, that doesn't yeah, mean yeah, yeah. it's bad. So that's how I try I, and look at it. I think I'm fine with the, like, 
theoretical idea that I'm not for anybody, but I do not need to see it in print. That's fair. Yeah. Also, my bad reviews haven't been horrible. Okay. It's not like, you know, when we talk about don't read the comments, and I know that you read your comments, not sure. Why would you say that? <laughs> Aparna, I called you not sorry. Um, we know each other really well. We, yeah, we're just, we're on second name. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't really read comments on mm, videos, videos yeah. and that kind of stuff that go up now, because that, I think it's also like, if someone's, here's the thing, if someone has taken the time to read an That's entire true. book and they have thoughts on it, I'm like, that's valid. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to give that. I'm going to give that the time of day. But I do feel like the anonymous internet troll is a different person who I'm not. Yeah, gonna, yeah. You know, I'm really. also suspicious of anything that only has good reviews. <laughs> that makes me question it. You know, I'm like, like really? Paddington nobody too. Nobody You're like, like really? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, nobody saw the no one, no one hates misogyny. this bear. <laughs> this adorable bear. Something suspicious about it. Wait, I have a question, though. You're talking about Out of Love, right? Your first book in terms of it being crowdfunded and then... Yes. Okay. Do you feel differently about your next... Did you have a different process with your next book that's coming out? Yeah, hmm. very, actually. So the second novel is called Better by Far, and one hopes it is. Ha, ha, ha. How many times am I going to make that joke? <laughs> every event. Every, every event. Time. Yeah, it was a much... I think getting Out of Love off the ground felt so much more like a labor of love yeah. and uh, an, a kind of an uphill battle. And I was going out to publishers and every single one of them was like, but if it's told in reverse and they know the end, why will they keep reading? Yeah. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. So everyone said no to me. And that's when I went with Unbound, who, I, like I said, were crowdfunding. And yeah. it did. It felt really like, and not in a bad way. It felt like I really had a community on board. I went out with it and I was like, listen, guys, I have to crowdsource this. If you pre-order, this is how I get to make the book. And it did. And it, it, the, the sales were really, really good. And yeah. it just felt like there was this whole team behind me of like yeah, thousands yeah. of people who gave a shit. So this time around, I think was probably a more easier in one sense, because Penguin were like, here's some money, go write a book. Yeah. But more more lonely, maybe a little yeah. more isolated. I kind of felt like I was just like squirreled away. Yeah. yeah. And like no one even really knows that like I'm doing this. And yeah. At the end of it, they'll just they'll just be one. Yeah. I wonder if the doing it with the crowdfunding kind of made it more communal or like just Yeah. yeah. And like it, it felt like people were invested in and it. waiting. Yes. And wanted yes. it. Yes. I think that was the big thing. Cause with this one, I'm like, does anyone want this? Right. Have I have they f- forgotten about me am I does anyone care you know am I gonna am I gonna be locked in a room for all these years and then come out with a book and everyone's gonna be like oh who are you like I don't yeah 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 I think that was a scary thing about writing to a book for me instead of you know doing stand-up where the reaction is immediate I I was gonna ask because you're right there you're either getting the laughs or you're not you know if you're if you're bombing or you're doing really well how did that feel it felt like very scary and I think it's like you were saying like it kind of feels like if I'm not out there will people remember me yeah yeah I think that's a feeling kind of all of us have with how online yeah how online everyone is these days where it's like if you're not posting did you have that sandwich you know did you have the sandwich if a sandwich gets eaten in the woods and no one's around (laughs) to instant um but yeah Aparna by the way is a very very funny comedian as well I was also chuckling away at your at your stand-up just like two of my makeup listening to in the bathroom's <laughs> laughing way but um it's a it's it's interesting how you that's something I wanted to ask actually bringing the comedy to the page yeah 
how did that translate for you? Because I kind of went from script writing into oh, a book. Okay. And that's a more visual medium yeah. into this. And you go from having your audience right there and being able to, I guess, perform the text. Yeah. Into trusting that someone's going to understand it from a page or get get the tone of it from a page. Yeah, well, I knew ahead of time that the book wasn't going to be like strictly comedic. Like I knew it was going to be kind of a Mm. combination of some stuff that's more serious in my life, just like with mental health and, you know, struggles with body image. And so I knew it wasn't going to just be like comedic, light, fluffy essays. And so I, I was a little worried of like how to balance that seriousness with jokes because, I also felt like I couldn't write something without any jokes. So I often had kind of conversations with my editor that was like, does this feel funny enough? Is Mm. it making too light of this subject? Like I, yeah, it was, it was kind of tricky finding that balance Mm -hmm. sometimes. It's something I think about and talk about a lot. That's sort of the Nora Ephron thing of like owning your story. And if I, if I deliver it a certain way, now I'm not the victim and I didn't get my heart broken. I'm, I'm actually telling this funny story right. about this thing that happened to me and I get to tell it my way with my own ending. Yeah. Did you feel that? Because I know like what you talk about on stage, it almost feels, how do I put it? There's a flippancy yeah. to, to stand up mm-hmm. that you don't have. There's a vulnerability with a book and especially the topics that you're covering. You're talking about mental illness and eating disorders and body image and, and all that kind of stuff. Did you feel a catharsis in writing it your way? I think I thought I would. <laughs> okay. um, that was the hope. I think sometimes I just got more in my own head because I think you can sometimes go in circles with anxiety or depression where, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, but then why do I do this? Or like, why? why? And then you just kind of end up like a snake eating its own tail. But yeah. I do think I wanted to write a book versus, you know, put some of this stuff in my stand-up because like you're saying, stand-up does have you know, kind of the removal of its like setup punchlines, kind of this Mm, neat mm. package. And it's kind of, there's closure at the end. And I knew with a lot of these topics in my life, like there isn't a neat ending. And I feel like with a book, you can kind of sit in that Mm. ambiguousness more. But I was worried about how that would be received. How has it been received? I don't know, because I don't read any reviews. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) By peers, by friends? Friends have been nice, but I think it is even scary to imagine your friend reading it and being like, Oh, that's that's more, that's awful. Yeah, yeah. They're like, I thought I I I knew this woman. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's the thing of like, I would rather sing to 3,000 people than three. Yeah. You know, it's just that intimacy of like having a friend or family. Oh, family. family reading your book and then asking you questions. And then in the new one, so in the, in the, in the new one, the protagonist's mother died when she was young. Oh, wow. And so I'm home recently, desperately trying to finish the thing. And my mother keeps talking to me, bless her. She's wonderful. I love her. And <laughs> she's like, she walks into the room one day and just announces that I've killed her off. <laughs> Well, I don't know, Hazel, you killed me off in this one. Okay, one, they're all fictional characters. (laughs) Like, there's no two. That's it. They're they're fictional. But you know if an author's mom reads their book, they're going to be like, I'm I'm the mom. I'm the mom. Yeah. And she, you know, in many ways, very much is the mother in in Out of Love. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hearing laughs over here. She is, and she isn't in other ways, but she saw so much of herself there. And that was lovely because it actually opened up conversations between us that I don't think we would have otherwise had. But yeah, she can't. I think the second one is weirdly at once more 
personal and also way more fictional. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's more removed from my life and yet the feelings in it feel almost more personal to me. But yeah, she can't, she just can't quite get that they're not real people. Yeah. Like I've killed her off. I'm like, I did, you're, it's, you're not her. I mean, I'm always doing that when I read authors like fiction books. I'm just like, that's, that's them. That's that thing. That's, that's that guy. But yeah, I was going to ask with your first book where you decided to write it in reverse, was that, did you know that from the beginning or was that a decision you made? No, that was, I had, so I had, I had l- learned to write sort of, I had learned to write with Panama, you're adorable. <laughs> She's trying to get the content, guys, because if we don't get the content, we weren't even here. Yeah, yeah. Um, as we How said, will they know? As we said, as we said. How will yeah. they know? <laughs> <laughs> like no one saw because you were one foot lower <laughs> I love uh, it um what was the question again? <laughs> oh just for out of a love if you the structure of the structure. it is, yeah yes sorry so I had learned to write with short stories yeah. and then I got into script writing for a very very long time so I was I was much more used to that and then I wrote this short story about a breakup. It was just supposed to be a short story. I never I never knew what it was going to be. It was just one of those times when it just has to come out. Yeah. And it wasn't a script. It just came out in prose and showed this story to various people, friends and my agent and stuff. And they were like, okay, yeah, bitch can write. Maybe could you do more? <laughs> and he was particularly interested because he was like, money, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. Book? Book deal? Oh. He didn't love them when I wanted it in reverse and no one wanted to publish it, but he's happy now. Anyway, yeah, I wrote this story and then it was that question of can you make that a book? Could you go away and maybe make that a book? And I sitting down thinking about it, it was like, I can, but it felt so contained and wrapped up. Mm-hmm. By the end of mm-hmm. that first chapter, they've gone through the breakup. She's okay. done so much of her yes, healing work. Yes. She's sort you feel by the end of that chapter, like she's made that one cup of tea and she's ready. Yeah. And that didn't feel like the ending of the book but it also didn't quite feel like a beginning I didn't want to move forward from there that just didn't really interest me so yeah I think one of the big questions I always say that like when you go through a big breakup or or anything you know you leave a job or an ending of a chapter you sort of reflect on it and you wonder was that good for me was that right you know particularly if it doesn't end well like was I happy there was you know were we ever happy together and it was all these questions sort of swimming around and so I decided to answer them instead and sort of then took the book backwards to do a sort of post-mortem on, yeah, on the, the relationship. relationship and yeah look at two people who had fallen out of love in a sort of slow puncture way you know because yeah. you often see in stories it's this one big inciting right, incident right. or someone cheats or someone shouts or someone runs someone over with their car um <laughs> actually happens but for <laughs> it's not he's fine he's fine he's was really it an accident or on purpose no, <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah but so and then I so the next thing I did was write the second chapter to see what it would be like to oh, jump backwards that, yeah that little step and then I wrote the very last chapter oh, which is okay. the beginning of the and relationship and now I have a and b and then I have I, I dotted about all over the place to get from there to there so That's it was so yeah yeah I it, think it was, I found yeah. it refreshing because I think in my book I kind of talk about how I feel like as a society we love like an arc that starts like with someone struggling and then ends with high oh we love it and how how that's like so often how life does not yeah. work. So I just am so much more interested in stories of failure, like the in-between of figuring things out than the like resolution that mm-hmm. I just, 
yeah, I found that really like refreshing. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And same. I liked, I liked that bit when you were like, I'm interested in the failure. Yeah. You know, we see so much success and we, we you know, I'm interested in the person who came second or third, I think is what yeah. you said. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a more uh, tasty story. Yeah. To me. You can really kind of like sink your teeth into it a little bit more. Yeah. And I also think with success, sometimes it's like you think you want it. And I mean, obviously I'm not saying nobody should get it or like it's not desirable but you do get there and then you're kind mm. of like now what yeah you know? like oh it, absolutely it kind of can be scarier in that way yeah goals are awful <laughs> they're the worst because I, I I always think like you you set these goals like the really the big ambitious yes. ones the big yeah. big ones and I think you either don't reach the goal and then you feel crap mm. that you didn't reach the goal or you do reach the goal and you realize all your problems haven't gone away right as a result of reaching the goal so it's they're very tricky things yeah. and you have I, yeah I think it's taken it's taken me a whole lifetime of I guess setting new like a new relationship yeah with goals you know and knowing that I'm gonna put that there but when I get there let's yeah, yeah set expectations around what that actually is like even with this you know my first book's gonna come out right and then they'll know yeah, yeah. Then they'll yeah, see, yeah, you know, and yeah. then all the movie deal will come yes, in and the, yes. you know, and then they'll want the second book or the third book and my life will change and I'll have so much money and no, like yeah. none of that happened. And it's great. I'm not complaining. I love that. I got to write a second one, right. but I think that was the level I needed to be yes. at was life will stay pretty much the same yeah. and then you'll get to write a second one and that will be nice. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> yeah. I remember before my book came out, someone was like giving me advice who had had a book come out and they were like, it's not going to be as good. Or as bad as you think it is. Like, it's yeah. going to be fine. Yeah. And sometimes that's like the worst thing to hear. You're like, fine. fine. There's my blood in it. You yeah. Know? Like, <laughs> my blood is fine. My blood's on the page. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 
and it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help, and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. Yeah. Speaking of your blood on the page, would you like to read some of some I can. I mean, speaking <laughs> to what we were talking about, I can read from the end sort of as an homage to your <gasps> book. Okay, so this is from the epilogue. It's called, epilogue is just called I Tried. Um, so <laughs> I'll just read a little section. I wanted to write this book to fix my imposter syndrome. I assumed I could write my way out of it. But that's like saying I'm going to sleep my way through this plate of food. When you try to write about your core insecurities, it turns out that sometimes they get louder. It's like all those horror movies where you're not supposed to touch the old relics. You touch the old relics, the spirits get pissed. You try to fix the mental demons, the demons create a mosh pit on your sense of self. (laughs) But there is something I learned in this whole process, an epiphany about epiphanies, if you will. And please don't, I implore you. They don't arrive on a schedule, and sometimes you're the last to know you're having one, because epiphanies can take years to sink in. Yes, of course, there are those moments that strike like a bolt of lightning with accompanying thunderclap, but more often there is no fanfare, and usually you still end up needing to relearn the lesson again. But hey, at least you remember it better the next time around, what with everything looking so familiar, like a dream you've had many times before. That's what I've learned about my own imposter syndrome. It's probably never going to really go away, but I can remember I've been here before. I'm late to most things in life. My own self-discovery had to be one of them if we're being on brand. This entire book has been an exercise in hesitation. I frequently felt as though the more of it that came together, the more of me that came apart. Yet here we are at the end somehow. Only there are no tidy conclusions, are there? Most everything I've written about remains open-ended in my own life ongoing battles that must be faced and negotiated without fanfare. I wish I knew another way to do it, but this looks like it's it. Beautiful. Yeah. It's so funny sometimes when you realize we, we could have been sitting here chatting about that for so long and you, you've already, you, you, you said it better already. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> you know no, what I mean? no, 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 Like no. sometimes someone just puts something into words and you're like, that was the feeling. Mm. That was, that was no. it. I just hadn't, I just hadn't quite hit on that oh. yet. But yeah, that's beautiful. And have you made peace with that? Like not? Yeah, I think at first I didn't, or I mean, I did with myself, but I think even in putting it out in the world, I sort of had that same feeling mm. as you of like, now people will really get me. They'll like read what I said and then they'll like finally get, but uh, you know, part of the book is about how I've always kind of felt like an Mm -hmm. outsider. And I think it did, it made me realize that even writing about it isn't necessarily going to get, take that feeling away, but it is going to, you know, hopefully connect with people when they read it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, there's the ups and downs. And it's interesting that you, you sort of said you didn't feel like you'd got the catharsis from it necessarily. Yeah, but I think I also romanticize what catharsis should look like. Right. Like We're I back want to the goals to be, again. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I want it to be grand and like sweeping and Oh, yeah. Fixed. Yes. You want it to be fixed yeah. by it. Yeah. You hear people talk about writing it down and then they're fixed. And yeah. Like, but where, where's mine? Whereas, where like, you cut? know, sometimes it's like a feeling like personal growth will be like, you're at lunch and you like look at an Instagram thing and you're like, 
I didn't feel bad. Wow. I'm better today. That's huge. Yeah. <laughs> it's like two o'clock on a Tuesday. Yeah. You know. But those are the little ways. Yes. Those are the things. Yeah. I didn't feel bad. It's yeah. such a huge thing. Yeah. I think I think that's I hadn't quite put it that way before, but with writing this, that was a similar thing with I guess looking back at past relationships and the regret and the yeah. resentment that you still harbor and the anger and all of that, I think having to get inside the mind of a character who sort of represented relationships I had been in, men I yeah. had been with, having to sort of get inside his skin and sympathize, I guess, because you can't you can't write anyone, villain or not. Not that I think he's a villain in this book, but you can't without really sympathizing and yeah. and, and really getting inside the, the the decisions that they make and why they make right. them. And yeah, I felt by the end of it, I was looking back more fondly yeah. at people, not just relationships, but just sort of people who'd kind of come and go from my life and yeah. friendships that had ended or whatever, things that had ended on bad terms and just felt a little softer, I guess, yeah, about yeah. it. So that when their name did pop up, I just didn't feel quite as... <laughs> right, like as charged. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't as uh, raw, I guess. Yeah. There was a, a, more of an understanding there for That's them. Amazing. Which, yeah, which I didn't expect. I think I expected a lot of like my own healing yeah. and a lot of more understanding about myself and my feelings. But like, yeah, even writing like the mother character, yeah. you know, like has kind of changed my relationship with my mother a little oh, bit. Wow. And even my, yeah, sister and yeah, everyone in it, I think, except for one person who's still... Do you want to read from your upcoming book? I would love to. Yeah. Yes. So I have a copy of this one, but I don't have a copy of the new book because it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Two people in the world have a copy. It's Matt Haig and David Nichols. Oh. I made one of them send me a picture of him last oh, night. I said, Could I see her? Is she safe? Is she well? <laughs> have you made her tea? He's like, I have not made tea yet. I will. But yeah, so I'm going to read from the new book, but not it will be from screen, which is uh, the only way I've seen it so far. I can't wait to have it in my hands. I'm also not sure how much to read, so I'm just going to start reading and I will stop at a time when it feels like it's appropriate to stop. This is the very beginning of the book. It's uh, This chapter is called Till February. And I'm about to get way more Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Expect it. By the, end, by the end, I'll be back in full Dublin. I'm supposed to be writing a book, but instead I find myself writing to you. I prepare the blank page, ready to pour myself onto it, but all that comes out is your absence, which feels so much more like a presence. How odd that the language of grief is one of loss. People describe feeling empty, hollow, carved out, when for me, grief is heavy. There's a weight to it, a density. In Irish, we don't say, I am sad. We say, there is sadness on me. And we don't say someone is grieving. We say they are frivela, under grief. The phrase going into mourning literally translates as putting on a robe of sorrow. We wear our feelings, wrapping them around ourselves like cloaks that separate us from the world. And grief is the heaviest one of all. Today, unsatisfied with simply weighing me down, grief finds a way to slip inside me, filling me up like some tar-like creature that clogs my throat and lungs and crams itself into the cavities between my organs. You've only been gone a few hours and already I am turgid with the lack of you. I say you're gone, but you're not really, not yet. Your clothes are still hanging in the wardrobe. Your CDs are stacked alphabetically on the shelf above the stereo. Your squash racket is over there by the door. You said you wouldn't need it this week. You even left your passport here in the top drawer of your bedside table. It occurred to me just moments ago to check if it was there, and I must admit my relief at finding it. 
not that it matters where you are, I suppose, if we won't be seeing each other anyway. It's just easier knowing you're stuck here too in drizzly dark Dublin, where places carry with them reminders of me, and not sitting at a table by some quaint town square in Paris, perhaps, or maybe Croatia. Yeah, that feels right, Croatia, with its mild evenings, cobbled streets and local beer on tap. Local women too, all of them perfect in your eyes because you don't know them yet, haven't fought with them yet, haven't seen them sick or sad or suicidal. Perched on the edge of our bed with your passport in my hands, I picture one of these women approaching you with an easy smile all over town and oodles of sympathy for the broken-hearted boy reading a book outside her favourite cafe. I let myself linger on the scene for far too long. Right up to the point where you wake up, face down, ass out, legs tangled in her ridiculously white sheets. The whole scene is, in fact, impossibly white, bright to the point of overexposure. She opens her eyes, stretches her long limbs, one corner of her mouth curls up. Good morning, she purrs. Stop it, I tell myself, flinging your passport back in the drawer. He isn't in Croatia, he's in his brother's filthy flat in Lucan. Unfortunately, knowing a story isn't real doesn't make the feelings it evokes any less real. And so I'm left with all the jealousy and rage churned up by my own pathetic work of fiction. Why can't I write an actual work of fiction? A real writer would spin this breakup into gold. A real writer would chew it up and spit out a novel so magnificent it would make all the heartbreak worthwhile. Cure it, even. A real writer would sell a million copies and buy herself a mansion paid for with pain. My shoulders slump forward, like my skeleton has suddenly vanished, leaving the vague shape of a human behind. I slide slug-like onto your side of the bed and instantly begin to cry. It's not a particularly loud or deliberate cry. My face doesn't contort or change. I just stare at the wall as tears flow involuntarily down my face like blood pouring from a wound. I hate these walls, these bare eggshell walls. I hate the potential I saw in them. (laughs) She's so sad. No, no, no. I just feel like I was so in the scene. Yeah, your writing is just so evocative. Thank you so much. It's so strange as well to know that people are listening to an audiobook and hearing my voice in their ears. I yeah. don't know why I can't get my head around this particular thing. But it's probably the nature of it, like the, the first book being so personal as yeah. well. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's it's crazy. It's just crazy. I don't like, it's so hard to put my finger on it. Like the idea that someone's like lying in bed yeah. in the dark, snuggled up. <laughs> and I'm there like in their right, head in their saying like kind of intense shit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, would your like fifteen year old self think she'd be like, yes. she'd probably be delighted. Yeah, yeah I yeah. have to, I have to do that regularly. Do you ever do the what 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 would baby Aparna think of? I do. Me I have now? such a weird relationship with baby Aparna because I think she'd be like, who are you? You know, like <laughs> really. Like if I visited her from the future, she'd be like, oh, I don't know you, oh. <laughs> but not in a mean way. <laughs> she was just on a on a different path. Do you think you guys would get along? Yeah, I think we just have to, you know, get warm up to each other. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, weirdly, I sometimes think about that interaction. I'm like, I feel like I'd get more out of it than she would. Yeah, me too. Me too. She was probably fun. She was probably kind of cool. (laughs) I see it, like, when I'm hanging with my nieces or whatever. I'm like, I wonder was I like this? Because they're kind of cool. Yeah. And I look at my younger self a little negatively, you know, some of the time. So I'm like, she probably was chill. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> she's exactly. probably absolutely fine. It's randomly popped into my head because we're talking about our younger selves. The thing, <laughs> the thing that really got me when you were talking about your imposter syndrome was how. <laughs> so 
you had developed an eating disorder. Mm. I'm laughing and that sounds so mean. You had developed an eating disorder. <laughs> classic. <a> classic comedy. <laughs> and you you went to a facility of some mm. sort to get better. Yeah. And you felt like an imposter. Yeah. <laughs> in the place. I did because I didn't, my case was not severe enough for me to be an overnight patient. So that like, really they were like, you can me. be a day patient, but because I didn't live the, like in that area, they were like, okay, we guess you can be residential because you can't commute yeah. so far. And I was like, I just love that you were like, oh. I just I, like feel, I don't yeah. meet the criteria for be, it's not yeah. bad enough. Yeah, if only it was a more severe case. Yeah, it might be taken seriously. And it it was just so funny that I hadn't really thought about imposter syndrome in. I know. In the flip way. I know. Where we've all had that ping of like, well, I'm not that depressed. Right. You know, well, I don't currently want to die. So like, I guess I'm okay. I've definitely had that thought with with like anxiety and depression where I'm like, oh, she she wears her so much better. (laughs) (laughs) Such a better depressed. Yeah. Yeah. She's a better anxious wreck. Yeah. Which I'm like, what the screwed up. Oh, she's monetizing it better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Her, her joke about she it was merch. Funny. Yeah, oh. she's got anxiety <laughs> I'm looking at Anna now. <laughs> you monetize your depression way better than me, babe. <laughs> you're, you're my goals. <laughs> I feel like we're probably going to need to wrap up yeah, this. Yeah. Re- yeah, it's just gone seven. seven. Perfect. Thank you so much for all the questions and for coming along. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music.